You're listening to the College Age Movement Podcast. What's going on, guys? Hope you are doing well. We are in part three of our series, Resilient, which is a walk through the story of Joseph. A couple weeks ago, we talked about Joseph's interaction with Pharaoh and how Joseph, through interpreting his dreams, becomes the second most powerful person in all of Egypt. A couple of the main things we talked about was that Joseph had holy awareness and humility, that he was somebody who always pointed the attention towards God and was not about himself. He knew where the credit was due. And so we we talked about how we can model ourselves after that, that we can use all of the things that God has given us, but we're always pointing it back to Jesus. So before we jump into scripture, let's remember that, that the dreams that Joseph interprets for Pharaoh mean that there are going to be seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. And after he interprets Pharaoh's dreams, he says, you need to find somebody who's going to be able to manage that really well. And Pharaoh says, well, who better than the one whom God is upon you. Why not you? Why not have you be the second most powerful person in Egypt and have you manage the seven years of plenty and the seven years of famine and and even beyond that? And so we're going to pick up Genesis chapter 41, verses 53 through 57. And it says this, the seven years of abundance in Egypt came to an end and the seven years of famine began. Just as Joseph had said, there was famine in all the other lands, but in the whole land of Egypt, there was food. When all Egypt began to feel the famine, the people cried out to Pharaoh for food. Then Pharaoh told all the Egyptians, go to Joseph and do what he tells you. When the famine had spread over the whole country, Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold grain in the Egyptians, for the famine was severe throughout Egypt. And all the world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe everywhere. I think that this simple passage actually highlights some really important principles. And the first one would be this, is that preparation will lead to harvest. Joseph knew that God was about to do something in the land, and Joseph knew that there was going to be some opportunity with the harvest. It wasn't a surprise to him. He prepared accordingly because he knew that the time to step up would come. He knew that there was going to be seven years of plenty, and he knew that that was going to mean that he was going to be needed even more in the seven years of famine. And I think it's a reminder for us that we need to be people of preparation. People of preparation. I don't know about you, but I'm more of like a react in the moment or, or uh, think on my feet type of person. You know, I'm also a terrible procrastinator, and I've talked about that before. And usually it works out for my benefit. I like I like to be quick, but there are so many times where preparation would have served me better. And one of the things that I always think about is I, I graduated high school. I had good grades in high school, and I decided to stay here in town at MSUB Billings, and I got accepted to school before I took any tests. I didn't wasn't required to take the SAT or the ACT, but my parents wanted me to take the SAT. And I, I was already a really bad test taker and they gave me like the SAT study guide and I was like, that looks like a nightmare. I don't even want to, I don't want to even crack that thing open. And so I didn't really, I looked at it and I was like, yep, looks hard, looks complicated. I think I'll go, I think I'll do okay. Like I've always, I've always like been able to fly by the seat of my pants and, and do well. And I got my SAT scores back and they were not great. And I'm sure my counselor got those scores and we're like, man, that, that GPA that he's carrying through four years of high school, he's got to be cheating or something. There's got to be something going on. And I was really frustrated by it, too. I, I was, like, mad because I was like, man, like, I don't know why that becomes a conversation at the end of your high school career. Like, what would you get on the SAT? But I was not I was not proud of what I did. And I, if I would have prepared, if I would have put time in, if I would have put work in, I know that I would have been able to do better. So here's the problem, though, when it comes to, to our faith and, and the calling that God has placed on our life and all of those things – being reactionary can be incredibly dangerous. 
if that's all we are, like, obviously, like, we need to be able to, to, to think on our feet. But if we're only reactionary and not people of preparation, we can put ourselves in really dangerous situations. Proverbs 20, verse 4 says, Sluggards do not plow in season, so at harvest time they look but find nothing. In so many situations in our lives, we, we don't really want to put in the work. In our relationships, we want depth and we want community, but we don't want to dedicate time. We're a, we're a culture of love at first sight, friendship at first conversation, and community at first visit. And that's just not how things work. Like may, maybe you like were attracted to your spouse or your boyfriend or your girlfriend or whatever at, like at first sight, but but it wasn't love. Like it, it was, it was like, it was affection or attraction, but you got to put work in to actually find healthy love. And no friendship happens in the, in the first conversation that you have that that's going to build a lifelong friendship. Yes. You might make a connection. You might get along really well, but you have to put work in and no community is going to become your community. If you're only willing to give it one chance, like I've seen that all the time. And I've been so guilty of that. I've stepped into churches. I've stepped into, to group, small groups. I've stepped into so many different things, friend groups, whatever it may be. And if it's not like amazing, the very first time I've been so guilty of being like, I'm not even going to give it another chance, but that's, we live in a culture. I live in a culture of instant gratification and our vocations or at school, we look years down the road at what could be when we get promoted or we graduate, but there's a lot of work that needs to be done before then. So many of us want to go from point A to point Z instead of being content with going from point A to point B. We need to be people who are willing to put in the work. The problem is that this shows up in our faith as well. We want answers from God, but we haven't prayed or spent time with Jesus. We haven't read our scriptures in months. We want Jesus to show up, but we haven't been showing up for a really long time. We need to be people who put in the work. When we decide to put in that work, we will be ready to receive all the things that God has for us. Little moments of preparation will lead to huge moments of fruit. We need to be people who are willing to put in the effort and investment. The next point is this, is that Joseph took the long view. I think what's really interesting is that without Joseph and his wisdom— Egypt could have fallen victim to greed and passivity so easily. Having record years of harvest could have led to record years of splurging. It could have led to record years of recklessness, that they, they were living the dream. They were, they were doing so well, so why wouldn't we spend what we have? Greed is something that I think we really only associate with money on a regular basis, but I think that we can get greedy in our relationships with people, and greedy in our relationship with Jesus, too. And that leads to passivity. Greed leads to passivity. And this is what I mean by that. How many times in your life have you had a relationship that was really good until it just wasn't? Like everything was going fine. And then one interaction or, or one week or one conversation, whatever it is, and all of a sudden that relationship is not what it used to be. Like all of us have experienced that. Here's what happens. Those are relationships where I'm taking and you're taking, but neither one of us are investing, right? Like I get something out of being in relationship with you and you get something out of being in relationship with me, but we're not actually putting any investment in anymore. So many relationships, whether it's a romantic relationship or a friendship, even, even a family relationship, we, we start to make assumptions that we already know everything about that person. So we really don't have to ask any more questions. We don't have to, to dive any deeper. Like we've hit the bottom. 
And that's a really scary prospect that, that our relationships have this, this finality to them once we hit a certain place. And then it's like, all right, done with you. I'm moving on. No, we have to be people who invest. We have to be people who ask questions, people who stretch each other. In our relationship with Jesus, I think it can be so dangerous that we're like, yeah, I kind of get the premise of this, right? Like, love God, love people. And we want, we want it to be simple. Like, as, as a communicator of the gospel, I want it to be simple. I want people to say, yeah, love God, love people. I'm, I'm going to let that be an anchor for me. But that doesn't mean that we don't need to know Jesus better. That doesn't mean we don't need to spend time in prayer and spend time in worship and spend time digging through his scriptures and, and spending time around people and being challenged by their perspective and, and all of those different things. We don't get to get greedy in our relationship and just take from Jesus. Simultaneously preparing for when it wouldn't be. Understand that I am not saying that we should always be worried about when things are going to hit the fan and not love when things are good in our relationship, both horizontally with the people around us and vertically with Jesus. But, but being people of preparation will allow us to dig even deeper into our relationships when tragedy or struggle hits. If we have a, a full understanding that life won't always be sunshine and rainbows, what that makes us do is that when things are good, when we are hearing from God, when we are in the midst of like the best season of our relationship with Jesus, we get to find anchors. We get to find things that we're going to tether to when things aren't great. Because there might be tragedy, there might be failure, there might be pain, there might be broken relationships, but we can tether back to Jesus and say, but I know who you are. I know what you're about. And no matter what lies the enemy's throwing at me, no matter what I'm going through in my life, I have solid ground. Joseph knew that he had to prepare in the plenty for when the famine would come. We have to pre prepare in the plenty. We have to be willing to have that perspective. That doesn't mean we're doom and gloom. That just means that we're always constantly preparing for what is to come. I think Joseph had a huge benefit of knowing that seven years were going to be followed by seven years. You and I do not get to know when trouble is going to come, and that's a bummer, but that just means that we need to start investing in our relationship with Jesus now. That means we need to start investing in people now because our relationships with people are the exact same. We need to build foundations in our relationships with people so that when we get in an argument, when those things start to happen, we have things to anchor to. No, I know who you are. I know your character. I know that you're trustworthy. I'm going to anchor to those things even though you just hurt me. I hope that you can do the same with me. That's what it means to be in a healthy relationship, both with God and with people. It's important that we understand that Joseph didn't just luck into his position it was orchestrated by God himself, but Joseph had to be obedient. And obedience is absolutely key because of his obedience, he garnered something really important. And I want to look at a quote from a commentary by John Golden Gay. And it says this, it says, the actual factor that makes Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of implementing his economic policies is not so much the innovative nature of his proposals, but the supernatural insight indicated by his ability to interpret dreams. It leads Pharaoh to identify Joseph as the first person in scripture in whom the spirit of God is at work. Wisdom is a gift of God's spirit to be desired by any ruler. The next point is this, supernatural insight. This is wildly important for us to understand. Our gifts, our talents, our position mean absolutely nothing compared to our connection with Jesus. Am I saying that one cannot be successful absent from God? Absolutely not. We see that every single day, that people who don't follow Jesus are successful. But what I am saying is that what will propel us to the actual places that we're called to be and the, to be around the people we're supposed to be around is Jesus. Instead of thinking about position as getting on top, we think about position as getting out in front, that we are leaders who aren't just the CEOs and CEOs and the head of whatever and people look 
up to us, but they look forward and they see us out in front because that's what it means to lead people towards Jesus. Our success and failure is not determined by culture. The calling on every person goes beyond worldly recognition. Every person who follows Jesus, it it goes beyond worldly recognition. It's all about knowing Jesus. It's all about being known by Jesus. And it's all about helping as many other people to know Jesus and be known by Jesus as well. Strategy is great. Like Vision is great. Ability is great. But nothing compares to spiritual insight. Nothing compares to wisdom. In fact, Proverbs 16.16 says, How much better to get wisdom than gold, to get insight rather than silver? I mean, is is there a better verse to prove? Like, how much better to get wisdom than gold, to get insight rather than silver? Pharaoh recognized in Joseph something that set him apart. Joseph wasn't the smartest. He wasn't the strongest. He wasn't the fastest. He wasn't the most recognized person in Egypt. He wasn't from a noble family. He was actually a slave from another country. But he was in tune with what God was saying and doing. He had spiritual insight. He had wisdom. So the question that I want to end with this week is, where is our focus? Is our focus on becoming better than the people around us or closer to the God that is for us? Is our focus on on being better in the eyes of culture or is it on being more obedient to our creator? Is our focus on having people love us or is it on us loving people? Is our focus on gaining recognition or recognizing that we desperately need Jesus in the midst of everything that we do. This is the frustrating thing about supernatural insight. It sounds like something that is designed for the holiest of us when Jesus made it clear that it is for the whole of us, all of us, every single one. When Jesus came and died on the cross and rose again and left his Holy Spirit, that means that that he was saying, hey, what what used to be reserved for priests in the Holy of Holies is now for every single living person. You have direct access to the creator of the universe. And my prayer is that we would become people who understand that truth, that we would become people who understand that Jesus is just a prayer away, just an answer away, that we would be people who lean into that truth every single day. And we'd say, Lord, no matter how many abilities I have, no matter how many tools I have, no matter how many anything else I have, what I want the most is spiritual insight. What I want is wisdom from you. Thank you for listening to the College Age Movement podcast. College Age Movement's in-person gatherings meet Tuesday nights at 7, and we would love to have you there. If you are unable to join us in person, you can engage online at faithchapel.cc or follow us on our socials at collegeagemvmt.